Engaging Leader, episode 147. Eight tips for communicating dum 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 bad news to your workforce. inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. Communicating bad news. We all hate to do it. Wish we never had to do it again. And yet, recognize that there will inevitably be times when we need to do it. Whether it's announcing a reduction in force, a negative change in employee benefits or compensation, a discontinued strategy or product line, or some other disappointment or painful news. These are times that separate the engaging leaders from the mediocre ones. When leaders communicate well even in tough times, people realize they can trust them to make appropriate decisions, to take responsibility, and to do what's best for the organization as well as the people who make up its workforce. You can't achieve your potential as a leader without learning and practicing effective communication. It's a core leadership discipline, and that includes delivering bad news when necessary. Fortunately, the same principles and strategies for communicating good news also apply for bad news. And as with the rest of workforce communication, learning and practicing these principles can help you become a better leader, a more successful business person, and maybe even a better person overall. There's a lot of principles we could talk about, but in this episode, we're going to zero in on the top eight tips for successfully communicating bad news. Some of these are often skipped with unfortunate results. Number one, start with empathy and ambivalence. Hmm, that might surprise some of you. Before we get into a bunch of strategic stuff, it's important that we start from the perspective of having empathy, because that's going to color and influence a lot of the key decisions we make, both in making the decisions about what the change is going to be in the first place, as well as how we communicate those. Back in Engaging Leader episode 116, we talked about two empathy tools for influencing people to take action. And we talked about two, these two tools being, number one, empathetic perspective, and number two, empathetic thinking. And empathetic perspective is the perspective we take as we're preparing for a communication or engagement. And it's just all about seeing this interaction through the eyes of the people that we're going to be touching or that we're going to be communicating with. So imagine ourselves in their shoes, waking up in their bed tomorrow morning in their position of life uh, and receiving the news that we are about to deliver to them. How are they going to take it? How are they going to feel affected? What worries are they going to have? What assumptions are they going to make about our motives? That's empathetic perspective. Empathetic thinking is what we do while we're in the act of communicating, where we actively seek to understand their thoughts and feelings and even allow ourselves to be influenced by their point of view. But what I'm really focusing on now is this the empathetic perspective that as we start to plan this communication where we deliver bad news, that we see it through their eyes, that we put ourselves in their shoes. The second part of this 
first step in terms of setting our perspective is about ambivalence. And you, a lot of you will say, ambivalence? What in the world? Why would that be something that I want to um, embrace? And it has to do with the fact that if it is bad news, then by definition, as a leader, we need, we're going to feel some negativity about that. Our, our workforce is going to be negative. And yet everything, um, nothing is black and white. And we have the temptation as the leader that when we recognize there's bad news, we have to deliver it. We know that one of the key jobs of a leader is to own whatever the situation is and to make the best of it. And so it's easy for us to fall into black and white thinking and say, look, uh, let's, let's not... Um, Let's not whine about this problem. It, this is the, the problem's here, and deal with it, and this is what we're going to do next. And anybody who's not on board with us is a loser. And it's uh, that type of black and white thinking that separates the hearts of people from the, from the leader and causes them not to trust us and to actually want to sabotage our efforts. So the um, antidote to that is flexible thinking, which makes great use of the motion, the emotions of ambivalence. Back in episode 62 on Engaging Leader, we talked about flexible thinking, um, five ways to put that into action. And by the way, um, I'll be mentioning resources like this throughout this episode, and so I will uh, put the links to those in the show notes. But so this idea of flexible thinking is based on, on a lot of research, including research from uh, David Burnham and the firm Burnham Rosen, as well as the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business. But the idea is that the, when the leader can recognize their own ambivalent feelings, and instead of doing our normal thing, which is to emphasize logic and downplay emotion, if we can recognize that and even give voice to the ambivalence that we feel, we recognize uh, this is this is a tough thing, and uh, quite frankly, I'm worried about it. Uh, but I'm also pleased that we were able to go through an organized process of dealing with this issue and making some decisions. And so I'm going to be communicating those today. It's not all necessarily ideally where we'd like to land, but... Um, it's we're making the best of the situation, and um, it is. I'm 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 glad that our organization was able to come together and move forward like this. So the idea of ambivalence is that you've got some uh, what seem to be paradoxical emotions, and in any situation, if we really pay attention to our feelings and the feelings of others, we recognize that there are what appear to be conflicting emotions, and if you demonstrate a healthy attitude about that and even share that, uh, you will allow them to be, to feel validated about the own, their own conflicting emotions and to uh, respect you more as a human being, as a leader, to re- recognize that you're a real person and yet you're stepping up um, with courage in this tough moment. And what the research is, is the, the exciting part of the research is that when the leader demonstrates flexible thinking like that, with ambivalence sort of being the, the shortcut to um, activate it, it allows the team to be more creative. It doesn't just allow them. It actually sparks them to be more creative and make better decisions 
the opposite, when we come across as um, everything is black and white, right and wrong, then we actually influence the team to make snap judgments, to get um, non-creative, not think outside the box, not take risks. And we're going to need them to be creative, to feel supported, and to be more thoughtful as they navigate these hard times that you're probably communicating in. So number one is start with empathy and ambivalence. Number two is prepare. If we just, a lot of times leaders focus on figuring out what the solution is going to be to the bad situation that we have, and then um, a lot of times those decisions get made kind of at the last minute, and then we have no choice but to run out the very next day and communicate that to employees. And we've taken no time to prepare a communication plan. We just shoot from the hip and go. Or maybe we have a really quickly thrown together communication plan, but we haven't uh, thoughtfully crafted the messages or vetted the messages. So what we recommend is what we call the 5M framework. And depending on how big of a of a change this is, this could this 5M framework could be a an extensive process that you go through, or it could be a quick 10-minute exercise that you do. And the 5Ms just help you remember the, the things that you need to consider as part of your communication strategy. I talked in detail through these steps way back in Engaging Leader Episode 3 called Five Steps to Creating a Communication Plan. But let me just touch on these real briefly here. The first is uh, is mission. That's What's our business objectives here? And a lot of times when you're communicating bad news, the best you can hope for, the outcome that you're looking for, is that your average employee is going to say something like, uh, well, I may not like it, but I can see why it needed to be done. So in other words, they're accepting the change. They're going to support the, the your organization as best they can. They're not going to sabotage it. They're not going to... Um, gossip against it or say bad things in public, um, they're just going to go along with it. And um, so that, that's, a, that's a, an okay outcome. That's a good mission to have. Uh, second is The second M is members. These are the, the members of our audience. And a lot of times, it, just the key to remember is it's not necessarily just one group like employees. It, there, there's often different groups of audiences, different groups of members, maybe hourly employees, maybe salaried employees, it may be directly affected employees and those not directly affected. There may be the public community, there may be investors, there may be um, different levels of management. So just think through the members of the audience. Put yourself in their shoes. How, how are they going to be affected by this? Number three is messages. Those are the key messages that we need to craft. And remember, words do matter. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But be um, mindful, uh, be intentional about the critical few messages that you're hoping each audience group, each type of member is going to receive. Number four is media. Those are the communication channels. So a lot of times that's what we jump to first. We say, oh, we got some bad news. We need to give a speech and we need to send a letter to Holmes. Um, But Instead of just thinking through, well, so first of all, you don't want to start with that. You want to start with the other M's that we we talked about. But also, it's um, think about when you think about the channels. Think about who the spokesperson is. Typically, with bad news, you want to involve a senior leader in delivering the message. 
Otherwise, it raises questions about control and responsibility. If you get some fairly low-level leader in your organization communicating this message, or like that's the highest level owner, then people start thinking, wait, is this really a sanctioned decision? Is there any opportunity to appeal this decision? Now, that's not to say to pass the buck. Let's say you're a leader of a department and there's a, a, a negative decision. Of, there's something negative affecting your department and, and there isn't really anybody affected outside your department. In other words, you are the, you're the owner of it. So that you don't need to go to your boss and say, hey, boss, can you come help me give this bad message to my group? Or can you help me tell Sarah that she's being terminated? Uh, you, need, you are the senior leader in that case, and so you're the one that's appropriate to deliver the message. And the final M is manager support. These are critically influential people, uh, yet we often forget about them. And so we, as we do our, come up with our communication plan, we just want to think about how do we support them so that they can help us. How do we, that's going to involve probably communicating to them a little bit in advance, giving them a chance to process the bad news themselves, think of, work through how it affects them, and then help them start to think about how it affects their people and how are they going to cascade this information and how are they going to put it in their own words, things like that. So those are the five M's. And you uh, use that to plan this communication. And then as you get things develop get things um put together okay here's here are the things we're going to use in, in this communication plan we've got let's say we have some talking points we have uh, we're going to have the ceo m- make a, an announcement about that we're going to do a, also do a short three-minute video of the, the ceo talking about it uh, talking points will help managers cascade it frequently ask questions maybe a letter to homes maybe maybe there's a website uh, uh a microsite about it, whatever those things are that all roll up into the communication plan, we want to vet those appropriately with different people. So in other words, let the different, let some people review it and give comments on it, um, whether that's your boss or your board of directors, uh, maybe legal counsel, also some key leaders who will do a good job of thinking about it as how the employees will react so that you're basically testing the message on some of these people. So to a certain extent, you're getting approvals, but you're also testing this out. Now, the part of that, it's really careful, important to be careful here not to over committeeize your communications because the more of these people that you allow to review and comment on the draft communications, the more it starts to get either really watered down and turned into corporate speak and, you know, spin doctored, or it becomes long and unclear. And uh, we've done, we've had lots of, uh, in my team at Aspendale Communications, helping different clients, we've had lots of successful projects. Um, But a lot of times, if I go back and look, uh, not, not necessarily lots of times, but there's certainly somewhere a year later when I pick up what we you, what we did, I, and I look at it and I think, wow, this ended up being, it was clearly written by a committee. It sounds very corporate speak. Um, I've also had, uh, in fact, just maybe six months ago, I was in a, working with a client in a meeting and there was um, someone who, we were planning an upcoming 
negative communication and somebody pulled out something that we had done six months prior to that and said, well, we need to do we need to do better than this because this is just not clear. And we looked at it and we could we definitely remembered how we got to that language um, and, and how, yes, it went through all these legal reviews and, and so forth. And it got so everybody kept adding to it. It got longer and more complex because so, so you need, you just need to sift through those comments and think about which ones really need to, change what we're planning here maybe some of the things that are the caveats that are being added or the additional details that are um, they're requesting that you address maybe those need to go somewhere else like in a supplemental uh, Q&A or something like that to help them people just respond to the questions that come up it doesn't all need to be in the announcement communications or the, the first wave or two of communications so number two is use the is to plan take a, a an intentional process of planning through the communication, and I recommend the five M framework. Uh, and again, I'll provide a link to that on our show notes. Number three is be timely. Timing should be a key part of your communication plan, and it's it's very important to essentially be first. There, if if you um, wait until let's say some news about the bad the, the bad thing that's going to happen or the change is leaked to a group of employees or leaked to the media and then you're going to lose the opportunity to frame the whole th- issue appropriately for your workforce Instead, they're gonna, their very first understanding of the issue is going to be framed by the outside media or by the rumor mill. Being late also causes you to end up being reactive. So instead of positioning the change appropriately and in an intentional, thoughtful manner, you're, all you're doing is reacting to the questions that come. And that's a very weak position to be in. It's not helpful to your workforce. So be first with the information and also be early enough so that whatever the bad news is, employees believe they have enough time to react properly to it. Let's say it's a it's a change to their benefits. You need to give them a minimum of 60 days to uh, figure out, to just to, number one, to mentally, psychologically absorb the information and to make other changes if they need to. Maybe they need to change their doctor, for example, or they need to um, choose different benefits at their spouse's employer, something like that. Uh, and a lot of times, it's even it, there are certain types of things we've we've seen where it was helpful to give six months advance notice. For example, um, we've had changes involving tobacco usage, whether whether you're allowed to smoke at work or whether you're allowed to smoke at all without incurring additional costs in your benefits. Uh, that is a lot easier for people to swallow if you give them at least, if you give them about six months. We've also experimented giving 12 months notice for that kind of change, and that seems to be overdoing it. It's like so far in advance that people almost don't even pay attention, and uh, as it gets closer, they end up feeling surprised anyway. So six months, if you communicate something like that, and then remind them um, maybe once a month in the, uh, until it actually takes effect. But 
a lot of times you don't have that far. Uh, 60 days often is, is the best you can do. And there's other kinds of changes where you can only give them a, a month notice. But on the flip side, I've, we've, I've just seen so many organizations where they procrastinate making decisions so long that there's just no time to properly communicate. And uh, even if, even if um, you know, they make a decision and they're hoping to communicate it even only three weeks later, that's not a whole lot of time to put together a well-developed plan to um, tell to tell people about or, you know vet it appropriately, uh, get different levels of leadership um, uh, fully up to speed on it, get HR up to speed on it, and then communicate it uh, before early enough so that employees have enough time to react. So. Tr- Sometimes you don't have a choice, but as much as possible, get your decisions made uh, and quit dragging those out so long and leave yourself uh, time in your overall project plan to communicate. It just a lot of times gets the short end of the shrift. So be timely. The next one is be clear and straightforward. Man, it's so easy to spend five minutes with blah, blah, blah and historical uh, historical um, details and beating around the bush and you need to get you just need to get to the point quicker be direct and if it's a if you can't say it by the third sentence at least say it in the first five minutes what's the what the bad news is and when you do say the bad news make sure that you're not spin doctoring that you're not sugarcoating it because what that happens is people see through it and then they uh, they don't believe the rest of what you're saying now that doesn't mean that you aren't going to intentionally select a mental frame that you're not going to provide strategic positioning on why this change is being made or why this bad thing is happening and what we're going to do about it next and so forth um, you do want to think about that, but just make sure that what you're presenting is a legitimate view of the situation. Spin doctoring is essentially lying, um, and we've all seen leaders that basically lie about the situation. A famous example of that, not necessarily lying, but definitely spin doctoring and not coming across as genuine, was Tony Hayward when he was CEO of BP back in the oil spill around 2010, and uh he, when he was giving the public updates, he just was coming across as painting the whole, putting too much of a rosy picture on things that did not truly reflect reflect reality. And of course, there was a big negative reaction to that, and he ended up losing his job. So stay laser focused on what the specific issue is, and uh, as we'll get into it, explain why it's the why and how of it. Um, and don't don't chase rabbit trails unless they're legitimate questions from the audience. A lot of times, that's just the leader basically following a distraction or a digression that they feel more comfortable talking about, and um, not sticking to what employees, what the workforce actually cares about. When you do that, it just helps. It makes it more difficult for people to to digest uh, the what's what's going on. So. Be clear, be straightforward, be direct, get to the point. And don't spin or sugarcoat it. Number six of the eight is explain the why and how about the decision being made. 
So you, you definitely explain why the why we're making this decision. You don't have to go into super detail, but make sure they understand that this isn't um, arbitrary. That uh, that there is a, a business reason for for this happening, and then also explain how the decision was made. Studies show that people are willing to accept an unfavorable outcome if they believe that the decision-making process was sound. So you want to talk about what were the steps in the decision-making process, who were the types of people that were involved, and what data was it based on. And so again, what we're, what we're hoping to achieve is that even if it's bad, since it's bad news, that the reaction overall will be, hmm, well, I don't like it but I can see why it is that way. I, I can, it makes sense. I don't like it, but it makes sense. I don't like it, but I can see why it needed to be done. That's kind of what we're hoping to accomplish there. And studies show that, that people will have that, or more likely to have that reaction if you can talk through the decision-making process. Now, of course, it's better if you have a good decision-making process in the beginning. So back to my one of my very first points, start with empathy, because people want to know that. So... When you make decisions, have a process that you're going to feel confident about sharing, um, talking about it. So number seven is demonstrate caring. Demonstrate caring. This is, uh, there's going to be an unspoken question in the minds of employees. They're, always, they're, they're going to be listening to the information. They're going to be thinking, what does this mean for me? But they're also going to be wondering, um, was there any, does, the, does this person... And does this organization care about me as a person? Uh, is my well-being a priority for them? And so in your tone, in your mannerisms, you need to demonstrate caring for their personal well-being. You want A couple things to keep in mind is that you should explain how the decision is, is fair to as many groups as possible. So we tried to be fair um, and you know, here's some examples. We, we tried to be fair to as many types of employees as, as possible. Um, we tried to be fair overall. And so the test is you think through, uh, as, you, as you imagine how they're going to react to it, is put yourself in the shoes of somebody in, in these various employee groups. And when they're done hearing this, are they going to say, what you want them to be able to say is, hmm, I don't like it, but I can see why it's fair. That's going to help demonstrate caring if, if you think you'll be able to pass that test. Also, explain anything that you're doing that's, let's call it humane, that you're doing, um, that your organization is doing any humane actions to help employees. So let's say you're doing a, um, a, a reduction in force. Uh, are you, are you're, you're taking extra steps to notify people extra early? or to provide some kind of outplacement assistance or severance packages or, or things like that to help them move on with their next step in life. Okay, I think I got my numbers mixed up. That, wasn't, that, was, that was number six. I think I called it number seven. Number seven is listen. So you've, you're, whether it's a written communication or you're the one that's delivering it in person, at some point you want to with the group that you're leading, give them a chance to vent, to share their feelings. And, and if they're not sharing, then you need to ask them 
What do you think about that? How are you feeling right now? Uh, and you're going to just just plan to hear some negativity, and that's okay. You need to allow them to f- express their frustration, their anger, their surprise. And that's, frankly, it's part of your job as a leader to absorb some of that, to take in some of that. And you don't have to be defensive about it, but, you know, it's like you're a parent and the 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 child has had something bad happen and there's no perfect answer to what uh, thing you can say to them you, but you just need to listen and validate their feelings i can i can understand why you feel that way now you want to resist the temptation to say yeah, I, th- I think this is a bad decision too. You know, like if you're a lower level leader, there's there's this temptation to blame it on the higher ups. Yeah, you know, I don't like this. Uh, you know, this isn't. I I wouldn't have done it this way, but this is this is what it is. And that's not appropriate for the leader. You need to own the decision, and uh, and not get into the uh, de- and not get into um, any kind of blame game. But instead, say this: this is this is what it is, and it's not. It may the where we are may not be ideal, but it was a um, the it was a sound process for deciding, making the tough decisions um, to navigate through these these tough times. Now, also resist the impulse to get into the debates about a decision that's already been made, unless it truly is an open decision that you know that's open for change uh that were or reversal more than likely when you when you when you're communicating bad news you're not inviting uh debate so don't get into a debate um it's you want to listen to their feelings but it's not the time to revisit the decision and number eight is to focus on the future so you've heard you and you don't, don't jump into this too fast again you want to take the take the time to listen let them vent first but once they've been able to absorb the information a little bit and um, vent a little bit, and maybe maybe it's it's uh, after a, a minute or two of that, or maybe it takes a, a few days. But at some point, after they've had a chance to process the information, then you need to start helping uh, the or, or team move forward. So. You know, now you may want to say something like, so here's what we're going to do next, where you're pivoting to the perspective of where life will go beyond where the bad news began. And, or it may be, now, how do we make this work best given these concerns that everybody has? Or, so these are some some tough news that we had to share, but... We're excited about the strategy that we have going forward, and uh, we do believe that our our best days are still ahead of us. Um, fully confident that we've got exciting things down the road, and and this strategy is going to get there. And um, let's talk about how you can help on that strategy, or let's talk about what our next actions are. So in this in this part about focusing in the future, make sure you describe what action is required, whether it's Things that they can do to help the organization, or things that they're that they have to do, like um, uh, and, and in order for you to keep your job, you need to do this, um, or things that they can do to improve in the future. Let's say 
the the bad news um you're in a situation where you have no reason to expect that it's going to get uh better or it's actually would be f- foolishly optimistic to um say anything that might sound like you're promising a better future so it's very likely we've got more tough times ahead but uh if here's some some suggestions on what you can do to improve the future or to avoid um avoid uh, this kind of thing happening again or to improve our job security uh, or to hold help hold the line on benefit costs so we don't have less likely to have another reduction. And so um, we're recommending that you take these steps or that you follow these tips or that you think through these important decisions before you um, plan your next visit to the doctor or the pharmacy. So we talked about eight tips for communicating bad news to your workforce. Number one is start with empathy and ambivalence. Number two is prepare, especially using the 5M framework. Number three is be timely. Four is be clear and straightforward. Five is explain the why and how the decision was made. Next is demonstrate caring, listen, And then finally, number eight, focus on the future. You know, for the most part, these are timeless tips. And they're built on timeless communication principles. And that's why I said at the beginning that um, that, that it's actually good news, is that you can just focus on learning and practicing effective communication principles. And you'll find that when uh, bad news, when, when you have to do something like communicate bad news, it'll actually just come more naturally to you to plan the communication and deliver the communication. And these eight tips can be a good checklist, but you don't necessarily have to memorize them, and that's a good thing. In fact, they're they're so timeless that I was uh, looking on the Internet, and I found an article written by Dennis Ackley way back in 1992. And uh, if you read that article, it's called The Secret of Communicating Bad News to Employees. You will you'll see immediately that wow this would this is totally effective in, in this day and age it still works today in 2016 in this world of of social media and and higher levels of transparency and instant communication um, those principles are still true in fact they're even more true you'll you'll see that the things that Dennis is talking about they sound a lot like what I uh, a lot of what I say today, I should say, echoes what he said way back in in '92. Except they're even more true because of the speed of communication, of social media, of transparency, things like that. So I'll put a link in our show notes uh, to that article too, as well as to some other good um, articles that I found on HBR and Forbes about delivering bad news to your employees. And we'll provide those on our website at engagingleader.com forward slash. 147, as in episode 147. This is a production of Aspinale Communications, a consulting firm that specializes in workforce communications. My colleagues and I partner with midsize and large employers to attract top talent, engage employees, and deliver superior business results in several areas, including talent management, workforce health engagement, benefits and compensation, business transformation, and more. Find us at AspinaleCommunications.com. Our thanks to Monica Harrison, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, Cecily Leahy, our web intern, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, 
and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers.